Hello, and welcome to Dream Possible, where you hear compelling stories of people who have pursued their dreams against all odds and sometimes against all reason and made them possible. What can we learn from their journey? Well, that's why we're here today to find out. I'm Maria Retan, and I had a dream once to become a news executive in a major market. Check that box. And then I had a dream to establish my own communications consultancy. And that's when Top Cell Strategies was born. And then I had a dream of creating a way to help journalists make a career change. And that became Jump Team Coaching. Dreams can change as you change. So what's your dream? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today with my guest, Deborah Dahab of Deborah Dahab Expat Coaching. Yep, that's right. She's an expat coach who has lived in multiple countries, in multiple cities, and who now helps people all around the globe relocate to the countries where they live their best lives abroad. You might say that Deborah is a dream maker herself. So <laughs> I just had to have Deborah on. Welcome to Dream Possible, Deborah. Hello, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really incredible to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on for a number of reasons. One is I think that your story and what you do really does help dreams become possible. And second, I, you and I actually have worked together. I, uh, in full transparency, I have taken Deborah's courses. Um, and in fact, just wrapped up a five-day course on avoiding common mistakes when moving abroad, which was amazing, Deborah, by the way. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but I'm I'm tired, good tired. You know, oh, much tired. Was it was really, really great. You know, when we make such a big life change like that, considering you know relocating across the pond. You know, in my case, um, we want to minimize those mistakes. So uh, that was really, really fabulous. But before we go off on a tangent here, I, I'd love for you to give us the elevator speech on how you help people considering relocation outside of their home country. And I recognize that may not always be from the United States somewhere else. Um, and through your expat coaching offerings, which you have a number of them. So take it away. Absolutely. So um, I help people um, who are expats or expats to be, as I like to call them, uh, prepare for a move abroad related to mindset planning and emotional muscle i call it emotional emotional muscle basically so they can create like you said their best life abroad whatever that means for them um and i work with people on a one-to-one -one basis with what you would think of as traditional coaching like one-to-one -one coaching i have group coaching programs i have one group coaching program for pre-movers the expats to be called Master Move. I have another group coaching program for post movers. It's called Expat Connection. Sorry, Expat Inner Circle. And um, because sometimes people don't prepare like they should. So they need <laughs> help afterwards. Um, I also have uh, online courses that vary from the very introductory um what should I take into account for a mindful move abroad? That's called, like I call it, a mindful move abroad. Um, that's Prepare You Move 101. And also specific courses for specific challenges throughout the process. So how do you decide where to live and how do you prepare your scouting trip for success? 
I also have a free course. It's a mini course called International Relocation Starter Course, which is available for everyone to get a taste of what I do. Mm-hmm. So, so many options. And you kind of are an end-to-end coach, you know, the pre-during post. I love it. You've got everybody surrounded no matter where they are in the process. And in fact, I took your uh, scouting, um, what to, how to prepare for a scouting trip course, mm-hmm. which was really great because I'm going to be going to Portugal here in a couple of weeks and uh, want to be ready for that. But um, you haven't always been a coach, though. I mean, you weren't born you know, and suddenly you were like, I'm going to be an expat coach, right? You, uh, you know, you struggled yourself with cultural adjustments. But before we get into those struggles a little bit, let's go way back and talk a little bit about corporate. You you had a career in corporate before you got into coaching. Tell us about that. I did. I did. And it's kind of, you know, my struggles in corporate are kind of intertwined with my struggles at like life, right? Yes. <laughs> Everything's related. You so- all learn you learn from each you know step of the way right exactly exactly we like to compartmentalize because that helps us to navigate things but everything's really intertwined but anyway yes um I started out you know I I always wanted to study psychology but I had this idea that a psychologist was someone who would sit and listen to people's problems that was my mindset when I was 18 and deciding my career so I went to business which actually I loved I still love um I had a thriving career as a marketing executive um, in in Brazil, where I was born and in other countries. I did my MBA. I did that whole corporate shebang. (laughs) (laughs) Invested a lot of time and money into that career, it sounds like. and And actually, you know, it helps me today, to be honest, because I do run my business. So that really helps me. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches, um, should have this kind of training because it really makes a difference when running a business. But anyway, um, when I was working in corporate, I worked in many multinationals. So I was always confronted with cultural differences, with different languages. Um, So it's kind of hard to separate these two. And since I was one, I was a foreigner. The first time I moved, I was one year old and it's kind of like um, it has the backdrop of every single decision in my life because I was always the foreigner. Even in my home country, because I left at such an early age, I was always the foreigner. Um, what the technical term for that is a, a third country, a third cultural kid. Um, there's a lot of research on that. And um, so the, the the life in corporate also had um, showed me a lot of potential and challenges related to these intercultural interactions. Well, and it's funny that you're a third country kid, right? And then you got an intercultural psychology degree, right? I mean, it's this, it's funny how your path maybe wasn't linear, but it was definitely connected, as you said, interconnected. Yeah. And what and that degree, oh my goodness, it has to come in so handy with what you do right now. I can only imagine because you're as a coach, sometimes you're a therapist too. So I'm sure that that psychology degree is really handy. Um, 
but you, you know, you've also got a lot of learning under your belt personally with your own cultural adjustments. And I know you've talked before about your cultural adjustment failure, which, by the way, I don't believe in quote unquote failures. I think that they're learning opportunities that get you onto the path that you need to go on, right? And you can apply those learnings to the next thing that you do. So that's just my personal philosophy. I don't know that you don't have to agree with it, but can you talk a little bit about your cultural adjustment failure to launch, if you will? Absolutely. So um, after I finished my MBA, I had already lived in, I think, three countries already, three or four by that time. Um, And I came to the first time to Portugal after my MBA in 2001, quite arrogantly thinking that I had everything under my belt because it, you know, I had moved before I, it was easy peasy, lemon squeezy, no problem whatsoever. And I took a big fall and I do call it a failure because that's what I felt. Mm -hmm. So you you personally felt it personally as a failure. I had a lot of, I invested a lot of money. I invested a lot of energy. I invested five years of my life and it didn't work out the way I wanted. So I I do understand. And as a coach, of course, I look at failures and, you know, as learning points, but sometimes I think we tend to sugarcoat things and we got to name them how we feel it. And I felt like a failure. No question about that. And um, what happened was that I took a huge downgrade in my career because I quit my well-paid job in a country where I was hating to live in, that I didn't know why I was hating to live there, and I didn't know how to make it better. And it it, I t- it took a toll in my life, you know, uh, my self-esteem, financially, career-wise. So I tell it how I feel it. And I felt like a failure. Um, it doesn't mean you don't learn from it. Of course, like, mm-hmm. if, you know, you do learn from that. But um, I kind of tend to um, say things the way I feel them. And I am, I, um, I really um, uh, am open to people doing the same because it, it just, you know, if you say it, it loses its power. <laughs> yeah. When you say it, it lo- so, okay. Yeah. You're, you, you, and you're not a failure, but you failed. Mm-hmm. So what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's learn from it. Um, but if you tend to sugarcoat it and, but that's just me and that's my approach as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, what happened was fast forward eight years, I find myself moving back to Portugal, having that weight mm-hmm. of a previous failure. And this time around, you know, I was starting a family. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't just go after a couple of years and say, you know what? I didn't adjust again. <laughs> right. So I really had to take matters in my own hand and say, okay, what went wrong there and how can I make it right? And that's, you know, that was my mindset when I realized and I, I came across, I don't believe in coincidences, but I came across this new master's in, uh, I, I, I studied in Portugal called, um, uh, it's intercultural psychology, uh, psychology of intercultural relations. I was like, oh, my God, this is what I need. So I did it first for me <laughs> to help myself. And I was mind blown by it. Like, I didn't know that 
social psychology existed. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm a social psychologist. Mm -hmm. We study the relationship of groups and immigration and adjustment and acculturation and all this good stuff that I really love. And that, you know, knowing, just knowing it helped me so much that I said, oh my God. And then, then my business side started to tickle. It's like, okay, I can make a business out of it, but what else do I need? I need tools. I need to translate academia into applicable tools. So that's when the coaching came in. And then, you know, I became a certified coach, a certified trainer, a certified NLP practitioner, because for me, credentials and uh, and methodologies are really important. Um, not my own, my own experience is my own experience. It, you know, it's worth what it's worth. And with all that and under my belt, all these tools, then I felt really equipped to say, okay, now I can start helping other people, not only from what I learned, but also you know, working with people. And I started one-to-one and then I evolved to the group coaching programs. And then I evolved to the, the, the self-study courses. Um, and this has been in the span of, uh, about seven years so far. Yeah, that's, I was going to ask you. So when you came to Portugal the second time, were you still in that corporate position? Did you have, okay. So you had left that corporate job. Yes. I, I left okay. the corporate job. And you know what? Um, It was, I left it because I knew that in this new country, um, it would be very unlikely uh, likely to get the, an equivalent position with the equivalent pay. So I said, you know what? I'm, I took actually took about six, eight months sabbatical and I, you know, worked here and there doing stuff. And, and then I found the master's and then I, I really, saw a new path. So you were Uh, really, you had, so you had left that job, no job, right? Yeah. Moved to a country where you had had a previous failure, as you call it, and which was brave, right? It was either brave or crazy, (laughs) depending on how you look at it. The things Um, you do for love. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Um, And then, you know, you take some time that sabbatical and then you're you see something the master's degree that kind of sparks this oh this might help me be successful now and then through that process you realize that you can help others be successful I love that I love that so um how did you first get started though in coaching I mean you you created tools right you put together as you said the one-to-one and then the group and it kind of grew from there but how did you get your first clients well, I got my first clients through, um, actually through my internship as uh, my coaching certification. So when, during my coaching certification, we had to do um, uh, real sessions with real people, pro bono, of course, because I was still in training. And that's how I got my first clients. Um, it went so well that um, people started referring me and recommending me and um I started volunteering in many associations, starting giving, started giving workshops. Um, it's, it was really an organic process where I started face-to-face uh, here in Portugal with people who had moved 
some people who were in other countries, but, you know, the whole um, online thing was not what it is today. And uh, it just grew organically. And then I realized that, wow, you know, there no one else is doing this, to my knowledge, the way I'm doing it. Right. You had your own methodology that was unique to you yeah. at the time, right? Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about where people might be on their journey. Um, but I'm just curious, do you have like a persona of who's the best candidate for your coaching? Um, I do. So there is, there's like a, um, a typical journey no. in, in marketing, we call it the customer journey and yes. expat coaching, we call it the expat journey. Okay. <laughs> so first people have this idea that creeps up either because they saw it online or because of the push factors that, you know, they're unhappy with wherever they're living for whatever reason. And they start having this idea, someone told them, and then they start the research and then it starts getting serious and then they might have a scouting trip or, you know, start investing time, money and other resources. And then at some point they make the decision, boom, I'm going. They might not, they might not know exactly where or when, but it is the plant, the seed is planted. And then it goes on to finding out where you're going to live, how you're going to live, how to plan your finances and so forth. And it, it depends. Some people take do that in a year. Some people do that in five years. Some people do that in six months. It really depends. And then you do move. And then you have a new life in your new country. So some people think that, you know, forget that the move is a stepping stone to something else. It's not right. the end game. Right. It's a means to an end because then you have a whole life to live in a new place. And that also the post movers are, I help them a lot in because they really didn't think about what they should have thought about in the frame part. So there's that expat journey. And um, I started with the post movers and then I realized that I would be a lot more helpful to people if I focused on the pre-movers mm -hmm. because then I would help them avoid the pitfalls or right. at least be mindful of them because sometimes it's too late. You know, there's a report from PricewaterhouseCoopers in a corporate setting up to 40% of international assignments uh, fail. And by mm -hmm. failure, they mean the person goes back to their home country before the assignment. And that mm -hmm. is like proper failure in a corporate setting. Right. Um, so that's a high number. And when yeah, it's a huge number. And I think about what's happening, you know, right now um, with so many people. I, I mean, I just know a lot of people are talking about moving, right? Like it's been happening over the last two years with COVID, with people working remotely and people deciding to, um, you know, make a change. It may be, I'm going to work remotely from Florida, not from Europe, but I have to think that a lot more people are considering it, right? Than maybe they've ever been before. I think so. I think there was a big shift and I agree with you with COVID because for example, in our day-to-day -day interactions, work-wise, we realized we don't actually have to be physically in a place to get business done. Right. So just, I mean, We've talked about this change in the in the work um, 
environment and the work and many companies are facing backlash now that they want people in the office and people don't want to go back because they like the flexibility so it opened up the mind like okay it it might be feasible to have a life in a place where i don't i um our life our place of residence doesn't have to be the place of work anymore yeah you know, it's it's amazing, and it really has opened up all kinds of thinking, I think. And I want to explore that more, but first we're going to take a quick break, Deborah, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about that shift in the workforce and how that might be impacting your business as well. So everybody stick around. More from Deborah Dahop in just a moment. Miami is more than beaches, palm trees, and fun in the sun. It's home every year to the Miami Book Fair, celebrating its 39th year of hosting authors and readers from around the world, November 13th through the 20th. Join us in downtown Miami at the Wolfson campus of Miami Day College. Connect with over 500 authors reading from their books in English, Spanish, French, and Creole, answering questions and signing hard copies. The 2022 edition of the Miami Book Fair welcomes everyone of all ages to come together, meet, and make new friends, exchange ideas, and discover one's next favorite author. Let's explore, discover, and learn together. Featured authors will include award-winning novelists, Anthony Horowitz, Ben Mesrich, Craig Johnson, Danny Shapiro, Elena Shapiro, Jimmy Attenberg, poet Sandra Cisneros, and authors writing about the trending topics of the day. Lisa Genova, Jerry Stahl, Marie Brenner, Mark Kurlansky, Samantha Cole, Stacey Schiff, Katie Tour, and many others. For more information, please visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow the fair at Miami Book Fair and join the conversation hashtag Miami Book Fair 2022. Welcome back to Dream Possible. I'm speaking today with Deborah Dahab. She's with Deborah Dahab Expat Coaching, and we've been talking about the process that she took in moving overseas and ensuring that she didn't have a failure to launch overseas and how she uses all of that experience and her amazing coaching learning um, to help others make that move as well. And before the break, we were talking about the work remote lifestyle and how that's really exploded over the last two years with COVID. Whereas, you know, it was all about butts and seats, right, with a lot of companies. And now, um, Deborah had mentioned that we've all realized that we like working remote, or a lot of people do, and they would like to work in an area that they might want to explore. It doesn't have to be the same locale as where their company is located. And so um, just a little bit of an aside, uh, most people don't know that my husband and I are strong, strongly considering a move overseas. And um, Deborah, you said you had an aha moment where you realized it's those pre-movers, right, that you could work with. Um, are you seeing a, a lot of pre-mover need now with the work remote kind of lifestyle and um, people actually deciding to move 
completely overseas versus say within the United States? Like what are you seeing in your own practice? Okay. Well, you know, I think that the remote uh, remote work is one factor. Um, and in, in intercultural psychology, we, we talk about push and pull factors, right? Push meaning the things that um, you want to avoid and get rid of and where it pushing you away from your country and pull factors are aspects that are pulling you towards a certain place. Um, and there are many, uh, what I've seen is many different reasons um, and many different aspects why people want to move from uh, people who realize that they want to raise their kids in a different place um, and that this remote work allows them to do so from people who are retired and they realize that they are retiring with an active mind and body and, <laughs> and they still, they, they want to live their lives or, you know, um, have other experiences in a foreign country from other aspects that are very practical, which is, you know, the expensive healthcare system in certain countries, aspects like political aspects, um, urban violence aspects. Right. So it's, and that's actually a, an important uh, aspect to for people who are considering moving abroad to really make a difference between why and what for. Um, so what's your why, right? And making yeah. sure that it's strong enough to sustain a move, right? So it, it, in your opinion, it can't be enough that I'm going to leave this. You have to understand why you're going to this other location as well, right? Yes, not only that, but the whys, um, when you do move, and the, the move is a stepping stone, the whys typically after you move, are relevant. So if you only focus on why you want to move, you're focusing on what you, you want to get rid of, what you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. And that typically, of course, there's no, you know, cookie cutter solution, but typically that leads to a harder adjustment because you're focusing on what you want less of. That doesn't make sense to your brain. Right. So, and this is what people do because this is what we were programmed to. Everyone asks you, why do you want to move? Why do you want to move? Right. I want to move. And <laughs> you know what? I, well, that's what I tell my clients in my workshops. Write a list of all your whys. Now tear it apart because this is not relevant in the future. Right. Because um, you've left that. You've exactly, left those things, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the, the question to ask is, what are you moving for? What do you want to build? What do you want to accomplish? What kind of life do you want to have? Sometimes the what for is the exact opposite of a why, and that's fine. But you're approaching this with a mindset of fulfillment and not of lack. And that makes a huge difference when walking towards a goal. Right. Well, and as many will say, you can't run from your problems, right? So if it's personal reasons that you, I mean, you know, like, bad relationship, but you bring the bad relationship with you, it may not be any better in the new location, right? So Absolutely. yeah, can't run from the problem. You might be yeah. able to leave some things behind, like if it's the high health care or the politics, right, that you separate yourself from. But 
personally, like you, you can't avoid some of your personal problems. Absolutely. And it might even get worse. Right. Because moving abroad is, well, moving is among the top 10 most stressful life events. Now, put add a layer of moving to a foreign country, then add a layer of not speaking the language, then add a layer of right. <laughs> having friends. So you are immersed in a, in a situation where you are completely out of your comfort zone. And this can trigger a lot of aspects that you thought were solved, dust, done and dusted. And they resurface. Which is why you have a post-mover program. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thinking about your business, Deborah, and, and knowing that all of this is happening in the world, all the way around us, right? All the reasons that you mentioned that people are considering moves, big moves, big changes. I have to imagine your business is booming. Where do you see your business going in the next three to five years? Well, um, I've been very, I don't... I've been lucky, yes, but I think it, I attribute it also to um, competence. And I don't mean to brag, but <laughs> I think that, you know, if people prefer your services, they're probably happy about it because it's easier to complain than to compliment, right? Yes. So um, uh, today I, I am working towards scaling my business and keeping the human touch, keeping the human interaction. I really love talking to people. I love interacting. Um, I love seeing how people evolve and, you know, have their moments of, yes, I got this, I can do this, you know, because it's normal to feel a roller coaster of emotions. You feel anxious, you feel excited, you feel fearful, you feel grateful, you feel everything at once. And it's, it's hard. So, um, my objective is to start really scaling in, um, in order to help more people and um, offer different possibilities. So if people want a full immersion, then they can do the one-to-one -one or the group coaching programs. Don't like a group? No problem. You can do the self-study courses. Um, and okay, you didn't do it before you moved, but now you need help? No problem. You can do Right. So having uh, an offering that really helps people, regardless of where they're at in their process, haven't decided yet, I can help you with that too. And always keeping that human interaction. Because we have enough of toxic comments on social media. And I want to bring I want to continue being uh, a softer more pleasant voice to that if possible. So do you feel like with this business that you've grown, um, that you are living your dream? Sometimes it doesn't feel like <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're in business, so we all know how it's not, it's not a picnic every day. <laughs> no, no. You know, um, I wouldn't trade this for anything. You know, I wouldn't go back to corporate life, even though I'm so grateful for everything that it taught me and the friends that I've made and everything that, you know, um, I loved working in corporations. For, uh, but I have the freedom and I have the opportunity to really deliver what I believe in. And sometimes in corporations, we don't have that flexibility, right? Um, and of course, it 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 is my dream, and it had been my dream even before I knew it was a dream. <laughs> um, to 
help people and um, help them think about things in different ways, um, consider other aspects of it. it in, in coaching, there's a there's a, a saying. I don't know who said this, so I'm sorry. I can't you know can't credit this, but when you're inside the jar, you can't read the label. Right, right. So, oh, that's um, great. Yeah. Um, so it's helping people, you know, read their own label and figure out if that's what they want, if they want to do it differently. Um, and I'm so grateful, you know, after a client call that goes well, and it's just so fulfilling that in those moments, yes, I'm filling my dream. The moments that are hard as a business person, well, you know, you remember those good moments to get through. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know what, I, I hope listeners take away from our conversation today is that you can zig and zag, right? You, you can have a successful career in one area. And if that's no longer serving you based on where you need to go next, that you can take a pause, recalibrate, and relaunch very successfully. Um, I just read a book called uh, Built to Serve by Evan Carmichael. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, Deborah, but I literally finished it last night. I found about out about it on another podcast. And he, he talks about how some of the best businesses come from your place of pain, mm. where you can um, build a business around your why. And, um, but that oftentimes it comes from helping others, serving others based on your pl place of pain, maybe a painful moment, and you want to help others avoid it. And it's just so funny that we have this conversation today. And I just finished that book last night because I'm like, this is kind of what you did. You know, you totally created a business out of your painful failure and you're helping others avoid that same thing. So anyway, I, I do want to recommend uh, listeners read that book. It's really fascinating. If you're thinking about launching a business, um, I do recommend um, Evan Carmichael's book. So, uh, but Deborah, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation and I want to make sure that people listening can connect with you where should they go so um people can find me on my website which is deborah dot um i'm also on facebook so you know look at my profile deborah dahab i i don't know i might be the only one there i don't know um <laughs> you're name. not <laughs> with that name i don't know i haven't looked i did in the past many years ago do that search not anymore um and uh i have a youtube channel which is also deborah dahab expat coach so anyway um i'm always um i respond to every single email personally it's not a va it's not a bot it's me even if i if i even if i answer that's out of my area of expertise. <laughs> I do give people an answer. Um, and um, and it's interesting you said that about the book. I will have to read it now because I always say that I created what I wish I had had. Yes, yes, exactly. 
Exactly. You should read it. It's really, it's a quick read and it's really fascinating. Um, so everyone, her last name is D-A-H-A-B. So Deborah, D-A-H-A-B.com. And then yes, go to the YouTube channel. Great, great videos on there. Deborah, thank you so much for everything that you're doing to help people um, make that transition to another country, another city. Um, and thank you for all your great wisdom in helping my husband and I as well. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this conversation has helped people who are undecided or who are um, thinking about it to think about it in a more strategic way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pursue your dreams, but with strategy. <laughs> thank you, Deborah, for being on. Thanks to my producer, George. And um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Join me again for another Dream Possible. Until then, continue pursuing your dream. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.